Before we start this podcast, I want to definitely remind you of a sponsor for Fresh of the Word, 20 by 20 Apparel. Founded in 2015, 20 by 20 Apparel brings original tributes to pro wrestling's classic arenas, moments, and events. They look to spotlight the bloopers, bleeps, and body slams along with the biggest, smallest, strangest, and strongest. In a world of wrestling where there's hundreds of shirts, promotions, flyers, social media accounts, and ads, don't get lost in the sea of parody shirts and display fonts. They can provide professional graphic design services at a reasonable price. 20 by 20 also hand screen prints all the tees in-house. So if you'd like to discuss a possible run of tees, posters, koozies, foam fingers, or even Zubaz, then drop them a line at 20by20apparel.com. That's the number 20x, the number 20apparel.com. And also check out their enamel pin line. It's super cool. Fresh is the word. I'm Jim Duggan, got long wood for plenty, boy. I keep it fresher than fresh, but you already know. You suckers bummy, me, I'm money, I got a ton of flows. My weed loud like a motherfucker on the road. It's like you ballin' on a budget, though. We see your kicks and we laugh and yell about it, though. You see me shining like a suit on puffy. You know my condition, I was too strong, buddy. That's why the dude call money. I be stuntin' like it's nothing at all. Cause it's nothing to me, it's probably something to y'all. Trying to smoke like me, then come and Got a closet full of kids, you can't cop it tomorrow. And I'm fresher than the freshest, you can tell it's in my essence. You see the way I'm rapping, yes, I do. This shit, tell I'm running out of breath. But tell somebody, cut a check. But either way, you know it's fresh. But either way, you know it's fresh. Fresh. We fresh. 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 Welcome to the Fresh of the Word podcast. I'm your host, Kelly K. Fresh Frazier. And like always, we have a great guest for you. We have Ruthie Frosch. She plays Huddle in the national tour of Fiddler on the Roof. And she's also part of, uh, she's a creator and star of the YouTube uh, series, Immature. How are you doing today? I'm good. How are you? I'm doing all right. I'm doing all right. Um... It's been, you know, I was I was actually just watching Immature just before, uh, you know, we started to talk now, and it's a it's a very cool series. Uh, it's about you know four broke millennials living in you know New York, struggling to figure themselves out. You know, sort of. Uh, t- let's talk about that first. You know, where did you come kind of come up with the idea to do this? Well, I have always been um, a producer, which just sounds kind of weird, but even in like high school, we did, you know, student works and I was always kind of the one who took charge and helped other people to either create what they wanted or to uh, bring people together or to raise money, et cetera. Um, and so, you know, at a very young age, I started to create things with other people and really love being a leader. Um, and I got a producing minor in college and I even, you know, started a theater company that was a part of a theater company that I used to go to as a kid. Um, and we created like a alumni program where alumni could come back and do shows where they grew up doing theater. Um, and so once I graduated college, I was, you know, hitting the pavement and auditioning a lot and, 
I just felt like there was more that I wanted to do. And I was at work. I worked at a, like a coffee shop cafe in New York. And I was talking to one of my coworkers. And she was like, oh, my God, I want to create something, too. So we just started to, like, I guess make, like, storyboards. But they were more like lists. <laughs> but, uh, you know, we just like started to go out once or twice a week and we'd sit with our computers and research shows that we liked, why we liked them. Um, and then we came up with this idea and started to put it into action. And it's crazy because like things take so much longer than <laughs> you ever would expect. So we started this journey in 2017, I think, and it's finally being shared, which is awesome. How many, how many of the little nuances of on this show are things that you actually witness? Because I was just, I was just uh, watching the episode that was about you, uh, episode four, and it ends where you're in a, you're in a coffee, coffee shop, and they quit um, serving coffee at a certain point and didn't have any more iced tea, and I was like, what the fuck? <laughs> so I mean, firsthand experience. But, you know, when you're closing, right, and you, like, cleaning the coffee machines and the iced coffee and the tea, like, all the things that they hold, <laughs> that you like, the containers, I guess, yeah. you have to clean them every night. So you have to, like, dump it into one container and clean another, and it's, like, a whole long process. So if it's a slow night and nobody's in there, you're going to start to start, like, quote-unquote, cleaning early. <laughs> yeah. And your worst, ni- your worst nightmare is somebody comes in and is like, can I have that? And you're like, I just cleaned it. <laughs> There's nothing left. Um, so, you know, it happens. I think it's probably rarer than normal to, like, have no coffee in a coffee shop. But, um, But it just yeah. fit, that fit into what you're – the sort of day that you're having. So it was like a perfect little, little nuance. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> of course, I'm going to go into a coffee shop, and they're not going to have any coffee left. Yeah, it's, you know, I, I feel like – Everybody has those days, no matter, like, if you're in New York or in another place where you're, like, you just can't win. And then, like, something strange where you're, like, that should have been a win for me. (laughs) And you're, like, great. Okay, I'm going to go home now. (laughs) Right, right. And another part of the the show that I found interesting is that – for the other character, you know, she she worked on the the Hillary campaign, and Hillary's loss kind of – coincided with all of her losses in life and is is almost like having you know you kind of put into where her her losing and then having Donald Trump win kind of paralleled like these the story that you're having in this show yeah <laughs> i think that was something that really resonated with her um not that she necessarily worked on the campaign but i yeah. think that it's like these big life events that happen also coincide with world events. And I think that that, you know, either makes it easier to deal with certain things or makes it more difficult. I think we're all um, universally connected. So I think that that was something that, you know, each character kind of got to be created by the people that were playing them or the ideas that we had. It was like a very, I'm a very collaborative person. Um, and I really enjoy like bringing people together, which is actually something that makes being on tour so special. Um, but I think that, you know, we had such 
a collaborative experience that so many people, you know, were like, oh, this would be really funny or like, I like this for this person. Um, and it ended up working out really well, I think. Yep. How did you go about kind of, you know, balancing things that can be funny with bringing in like serious matters during the show? Um, I think it always stems from telling the truth. You know what I mean? Like, I think that we do talk about some more serious things on the show, but, you know, we also, like, are human beings, and a lot of people use humor to deflect their pain. Um, so I think really sinking into the truth of that. And I think also we ask a lot of questions, you know. Do we think this would offend anyone? Do we want it to offend them? You know, it's, it's, you have to be very cognizant of your audience and who it's for. Um, but also, like, we're creating our own thing. So it also comes with, like, a lot of, um, fear and risk and just like I'm going to put this out there and see you know what sticks you know with doing this show and then also being on tour with Fiddler on the Roof you know like what sort of what sort of things do you learn about yourself just with your collaborative nature and sort of being that leader that ringleader what you know what what things have you learned about yourself wow that's a great question i don't think anyone in my <laughs> interviews on this tour has asked me that which is awesome um but you know i think that well first of all i think traveling is so important um which i before this tour i hadn't really traveled much and so you know starting last october and being kind of on the road since and you know went to amsterdam this summer which was really fun and all of that but i think you know especially as a creator as an actor um, being on a tour, I think every actor should tour because you're kind of like on your own, you know, and you have your friends and your family. And I think we live in this world today where like FaceTime and texting is like so accessible. So, you know, you really like if I, you know, my mom, I'm from California. So my mom is right now three hours behind me. But like, if I need her, I can FaceTime her. I can text her, be like, Hey mom, I really miss you. No, et cetera. Um, which I think is wonderful, but at the same time, you're going to, like, different cities, and you're like, I, what do I do here? You know, and you have to be like, what do I need as a human to survive? So I realized that breakfast is very important to me. In New York, I didn't really think about it much <laughs> because, you know, you're at home, and you're like, oh, I'll just grab that and go, but, like, you wake up, you're either in, like, a great city or you may be in the middle of nowhere, and you're like, okay, I need to eat right now. <laughs> <laughs> and trying to, you know, fend for yourself. And I think that that's really exciting. And I think as an artist, every audience is different, you know, and how to take that with you as, you know, to not let it affect you, but to also like relish in the things that are different in a given place. Um, and you just meet so many different people. And every theater we go to, we meet locals. Um, so local crew members come and work on our show. And I think oh, that's always so much fun just to see like, you know, you just meet people that you'll never meet. I find myself going to places I've never been. Um, but I also think that, like, I I grew so much as a human, <laughs> which sounds kind of silly, but, no, you no. know, doing a show every night and it's all it's the imperfections that come with it and live theater um, is, you know, I would consider myself like a very type A perfectionist, which is something that I grapple with every day because nothing is perfect. Um, <laughs> but you know, you live theater and weird things happen and going with the flow and like how to either like sit in that emotion or to like, let it go and move through it. And you're also like at work. So I'm very like, 
I'm I th- I find myself like very proud of the fact that like I can leave my life at the door and come to work. Others are not great at that, but I think that's also really important and a really important skill in learning how to do that. You know, it's like if you have an office job and you come to work and you're like crying at your desk. And people are like, oh, my God, like, what's happening to you? Um, it, I don't think that's, like, a very normal thing. And I think that in, you know, we're artists and we're so in touch with our feelings. But at the same time, we're also doing a job. So I think that's also really exciting to, like, figure that out for yourself. And right. how, you know, I tonight is, like, my 469th performance, 470 maybe. By the time I get to Detroit, I think we're – either close to the 500s or surpass that for a yeah. lot of members in our company. Um, and when you do something that many times, it's like, you know, you have to figure out how to keep it fresh. And that's also really exciting. How, how did you learn to sort of, you know, keep your personal life at the door once you get into the work life? Is it that much different being a creative? Um, I don't think it necessarily is that much different. Um, just cause, you know, we're all human beings and like emotions often ambush us <laughs> or you learn things that you don't normally would think that like would hurt you or upset you do. And you're like, what is happening right now? Um, I'm an avid journaler. I actually am currently doing like an Instagram challenge really for myself, but other people have joined me of 90 days of journaling. So you, like they say that 21 days to create a habit and 90 days to create a lifestyle. Yeah. Um, and that has been really interesting. I've always been a journaler from a very young age. Um, but I think like the constant act of like forcing myself to like write something down, whether it's like totally rambling or sometimes like things that I didn't even really think about end up coming out. And that's like a quiet way, especially like I find if I am feeling overwhelmed at work or on tour, we're with the same people every day. So it's, you know, it's, it's a lot of people all the time and like I'm an introvert. So, which is funny because I'm a farmer, but I, you know, sometimes it's very overwhelming and I find that like sitting with a journal or even like music and like taking a moment um, to like sit in that and to figure out, you know, your next step. And sometimes things are hard to let go and you know, you keep to yourself and you do your show. And I'm lucky that like, I love this show. (laughs) Yeah. So it's, it, it, that always overpowers anything else that's happening. Yeah, your Instagram is is very, is, it's it's great. It's very beautiful looking. You take very, uh, <laughs> yeah, very beautiful uh, pictures of of where you're at, uh, pictures of you with where wherever you're at, and that's when whenever I get a list of who, uh, people that I can interview for you know, each of these musicals that come to town, that's one of the things I look for is like, yo, what can I talk to them about? What's their Instagram look like? You know, is there things that I can, and that was one of the things that really uh, stuck out with you about that. It was like, okay, she like curates her Instagram really well. And you can kind of go with her journey on this tour with her and with other things that she's doing. So yeah, I, I like, I like what you do in regards to that. Thank you. That's a big compliment. If you scroll down, you'll see where I figured it out. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's like, it's fun because, like, I think that, especially being on tour, you know, social media really, like, connects everyone. It's such an easy way to, like, either catch up with people or, like, you see someone's photo and you're like, oh, I haven't talked to them in so long. Like, let me message them. Let me call them. Um, but I really, you know, 
I wanted, I didn't know, I don't know if I'm ever going to be on tour again. And seeing, you know, being, we've been to, I think, 57 cities now. Um, the, for those of us who started with the first year of the tour and are continuing on the second. Um, and these theaters are so historical and so beautiful. And like the total like theater geek in me like comes out there. But I wanted a way to like remember it um, in a way that like, you know, uh, that I can see and that other people can share too. So, you know, as somebody who, like you said before, you, you didn't you didn't really travel much, and then you started going on tour with uh, Fiddler on the Roof. You being able to see all these great cities, you know, as somebody, as just you know yourself, and even somebody as you know as a Jewish woman, like what are some of the things that you you really kind of sticks out on just learning about yourself, and then what are some of the things you you've just learned about the world? Oh wow, um. I think that, I mean, I have always been very independent, but I think being on tour forces you to be like a different kind of independent um, because, you know, I moved to New York when I was 17 because I went to NYU and like being a young girl, I was like, I can't walk alone at night. If I need help, I need to ask for it. And I need to walk around knowing that I like know where I'm going, even if I don't. Right. Because... You know, being in New York, it's, it's you know, <laughs> and especially at night, you have to know what you're doing. So I, I've been ingrained with that. But I think that, you know, I have learned so much about myself as an artist and what I need to um, survive, I guess. I think that doing Fiddler, which is such a good show, like it's just so well written and the story is something that A, I grew up with, but B, that resonates with so many different people. And I think to me, I've learned that like doing good work, not necessarily of like my own, but of others is very important to me um, and telling stories that resonate with a larger group of people. Um, and that, you know, I've always even as a kid, but like to realize that like I, as an actor really want to tell the unvarnished truth of the world, um, has been really exciting to like come to that because then when I'm looking at other projects, that's what I'm looking for. And of course, like, you know, life brings you crazy things and you know, you never know what you'll say yes to, but you know, thinking about that when I'm, you know, looking forward to what I want to be doing. Um, and also I think, you know, I'm putting myself out there every night. You know, I'm sharing my whole vulnerable self with a lot of strangers, <laughs> which is very daunting and very scary. And I think that I've learned a lot about my own insecurities as a performer um, and how to deal with that or move through that. You know, everyone, I think everyone has, you know, the small voice that tells them they're not enough. You know, even right. when you like logically know that you are. <laughs> um, and I think grappling with that has like been a very human experience that I have shared. You know, a lot of actors that uh, share it. And I think a lot of my friends on tour, you know, we're always encouraging each other and and being there for each other. And I think that that's really important, too. Um, and then with like cities, I mean, I've been to so many places I never would find myself. And I think that's the coolest part of like, you know, on this tour, I'm only missing 12 states. 
So now it's a goal that I'm, <laughs> I want to go to all 50. <laughs> right, right. Um, and, you know, you like the small towns that I would have been like, I don't even know, you know, before this tour, I was like, I don't even know where that is. Um, and to see like such life and such cool places. I like a game that we like to play on tours. If like we could create a town with all of our favorite spots from the cities we've been to, like what, what would we bring? Right. <laughs> <laughs> so like, whether that's a museum, whether that's like the cool coffee shop, whether that's, you know, this great restaurant that we, you know, a tradition, speaking of tradition, which I say so many times in the show, um, I don't necessarily, but it's definitely, you know, if you want to play a fiddler drinking game, tradition is probably the word. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and it's a very important word, I think, but a Monday night tradition because we travel on Mondays. So um, there's about like, I would say like six of us who really religiously do it. But we do Monday night dinners where we like someone chooses a restaurant every week okay. and we go because it's really the only night that we can eat like dinner at a normal time yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and whatever we want kind of. Um, cause you're not thinking about the show and we can just have a good time. So that's been really fun too. Um, of just like celebrating our journey too, which I think is also fun. How long did it take for you to sort of be comfortable with, you know, experiencing each of these cities that you go to? Because for people that don't travel, it can be a little overwhelming to go into another city and, you know, and try to experience what it's about. Yeah, I think that, I mean, I don't know. You know, I think the beginning of tour, you're like, oh, I want to explore everything. Um, and I think like we balance with cities that like have a lot to do there and then cities that don't really have a lot to do, which I think is also great because then you like have this like ebb and flow of like tons of exploring to like more of a chill time. But you know, as I like started touring, I normally do like one day of touristy things. And sometimes that like circles into the week. So like, you know, we go a place like Memphis, which has like so many museums and so much artistic culture and you like want to see everything where it's more of like a jam packed week kind of. Um, but, you know, we're also working um, and we're working at night. So you have like a full day and then you go to do your job, which requires a lot of energy right. i find um so i think that like regardless of what we're doing we're always thinking about how we're doing the show at night um and that's our job too so it's it's like a definite balance but i think like one of the coolest parts of tour is like exploring a city that you've never been to or like you know next week we're in boston and i you know my brother went to school in boston but i didn't really get a chance to explore it so i'm like excited to go back and hit the places that like i was told to go to when i was visiting him or whatever so that's also cool too how did you get the opportunity for uh to be in fiddler on the roof um i auditioned <laughs> um i you know it was a very long process a very like two years ago which is crazy yeah on april it'll be like two years since my first audition for the show okay um yeah i auditioned and then i had a work session and then i had a final call back and then i heard nothing um and that was around may and then in august i got a call from my agent saying that they wanted to see me again um which was crazy because you know when you don't hear anything you like 
say goodbye. It's like you mourn <laughs> loss. And then, you know, I had reconciled with the fact that I was not going to be going on tour with my dream show. Um, and then I, I got the call being like, they want to see you again for the role. They haven't found the girl yet. And I was like, great, I'll come back in. And um, I did in my final audition. So Hoddle does the train scene, which is her goodbye, spoiler, for those who haven't seen Fiddler, to Tevye. <laughs> uh, and it's my solo song in the show. And it's a very emotional scene. Um, and my one of my, I think the most well-written scenes in all of musical theater. And I'm not biased. I think a lot of people feel that way about the train scene, but I did that scene, which is probably five minutes in length in its entirety, but I did it five times in a row, um, which was, you know, it's funny because you're in the the audition room and then they want to tape you for people that can't be there. And then someone came in at the end of my last one and they want them to see it. You know, it's like you never know what's happening. Um, (laughs) But I left that. And then a week later, I'm I'm teaching artists and I was teaching – my musical theater boot camp, which is a really good time. Okay. <laughs> and um, I actually, it's really funny how small the world is, but the girl who I was teaching the class with is now actually on the tour. She joined us the second year, but mm-hmm. my agent was calling me and I was like, can you just stay here, please? <laughs> <laughs> so, and then I found out that I got the job. And then a month later we were in rehearsals. So it's, you know, it was definitely a lesson and like, you never know what is going to happen. <laughs> what sort of personal connection do you have with Fiddler on the Roof and then specifically the, the, the Huddle character? Oh, wow. Um, well, I think that Fiddler was the first non-animated movie that I saw, um, which is silly, but um, my dad is very, very Jewish. So in our household, we were watching Fiddler or Yentl. <laughs> and that was the option. Um, not that I didn't watch anything else, but together, that was something that we shared. Right. Um, and my dad, you know, plays the piano and would, you know, play Fiddler music or really any music. And we'd play and sing together. But I think that's how I really started to fall in love with the music of Fiddler. Um, which I think that is really special because the show is about a father and his daughters. Um, and it's something that I share with my father. Um, so I think, you know, it's equal part a dream come true for me, but also a dream come true for him. <laughs> um, for me to be playing this role and, and singing the music that, you know, we grew up singing together. Yeah. But I think, you know, with Huddle, I mean, she's, a young feminist, you know, she is really trying to figure out how to find her home, you know, home in the, like, where do I belong? Um, in a very small community. And she's witty and outspoken and very intelligent and very strong, which I think was a little, you know, odd for women at the time of 1905 in Russia. Um, and I think amongst her sisters, she's definitely the most, rebellious and outspoken um and trying to figure out you know it's funny because like you start the show and and matchmaker has always been this you know let's throw around mops and brooms and sing about you know finding a match but i think what's really special about our production is that you know it's really the inciting moment for these three young women they're realizing 
that arranged marriage, which is something that I think is not necessarily common anymore. So it's exciting to share with audiences. Um, but that like you might get stuck with someone that you don't want to be with for the rest of your life. Yeah. And I think that that really like springs these girls into action of like, how am I going to create my own life while also honoring the tradition that I love and that I know? Um, and I think that resonates with a lot of people. And I think for me, you know, you watch Seidel and then Hoddle and then Hava stand up for themselves. And I think that, you know, act of standing up for myself on stage every night and saying, this is what I want. Um, has helped me to do that in my life. You know, you do something enough times, and you it's like a part of yourself, which I think that's awesome um, and great. And I think really important for young people and young women to see. Um, I also think, you know, it's a story about refugees and something that was, you know, really hammered on us in rehearsal is that a refugee is forced out and immigrant chooses to. And I think that that's really important because unfortunately, you know, history does repeat itself. And I think, you know, when this was production was being created on Broadway, the Syrian refugee crisis is very prominent. Yeah. Um, and I think there's always something in our world that is also connected to Fiddler, which I think is crazy because it's such like a timeless show it was created in 1964. And like, actually, the pre-Broadway tryout was at the Fisher. So that's also super cool. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I think that we're all, you know, we, on this leg of the tour, we hit both DC, which was the second pre-Broadway tryout for the original production and the Fisher. So I think that that's like so exciting. <laughs> nice. What, um, you just, you know, mentioned how like you learned more about yourself, you know, playing, playing this role and it's something that you hope you know, y younger, you know, women get to appreciate. Kind of talk more about what you've learned playing Huddle that's kind of helped you as a woman. Oh, wow. Um, yeah, I mean, I think that Huddle is so not afraid to be who she is. <laughs> <laughs> Even if that means getting reprimanded by her parents, by her sisters, but, you know, the, oh, I can't believe you just said that, you know. Um, and I think that you learn that, you know, it's if you do something enough times, like I've really learned who I am, I think, on this journey. I mean, being on tour has really helped me to grow in so many ways of like things that would normally bother me or I would call myself like um I have trouble letting things go. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, you know, I remember everything. Yeah. I have a very good memory. So the words people say, the things people do, I never forget. Even things that happened to me as a kid, you know? Yeah. And I think that, you know, doing something enough times on stage of like Huddle has this amazing quality of like letting things like roll off her shoulders, you know, especially the, you know, the tiny things. And of course, like far from the home I love is something that is not a brush off and it's something that's very deep and to be able to sink into that and like allow myself to do that every now. I think like the total reverse of like being able to let things go, but also acknowledging like the beautiful things that you can sit in and explore. Um, 
And I think, you know, I don't have sisters. <laughs> and I have now so many sisters from doing this show. Um, but a camaraderie around around women and around, you know, I think that being on tour and doing a show every night is like such a feat because we're traveling, we're in different environments, we're in different theaters, we're staying in different places. Um, and I think that we have such like a supportive bunch of people. And I think also like acknowledging that, you know, that if you're really nervous or something's going on to turn to your neighbor and be like, Hey, this is what's going on. And often they're like, me too. <laughs> so you're like, great. We're going to do this together. Um, when I think that's also like such a beautiful thing to be able to share of like, you know, we're all going through our own human experiences and like being vulnerable on stage every night is like very, um, I think it's a huge risk. I think artists don't acknowledge that enough of like, Opening your whole heart to strangers is like a very um, big thing. Yeah. And you, it requires a lot of energy and it requires a lot of transparency. And that's very difficult. And to like celebrate that like we get to do that every night is awesome too. How did your family react about getting this role? Oh my, everybody cried. <laughs> <laughs> um. I also think, you know, it's such a journey of like uh, acting is such you just never know. And like feeling like, you know, the opportunity was lost on me. And, you know, my parents like went through that with me. You know, I was very sad that I wasn't going to be able to do it just because I felt like it was so perfect for me where I am in my life and this role and the team and all of that. So when I didn't hear anything, I was like, well, okay. Um, so then I think getting it only made it that much sweeter. My mom was like, I knew it. <laughs> <laughs> you were so sure it was not you. And look, it's you, you know, it's, this. and I think, you know, I got to perform last year at the Hollywood Pantages, which is where I grew up seeing shows. And I think that was like, for my family, like the craziest thing. <laughs> like you said, you know, as a Jewish woman coming from what you said, like a very Jewish household, like are there any sort of stories that you still wish would be told in regards and from like the Jewish perspective, whether it's something specific or something that's just ingrained into society that you'd like to see more? Well, I think that, you know, today faith is something that, you know, people either have very strong opinions of or shy away from completely. And I think that, you know, no matter what you believe to be proud of that, you know, no matter what other people tell you to believe to sing, to stand strong in what you believe, if that makes any sense at all. Right. But like, you know, I grew up being Jewish and of course, like there are times where I was like, what does this even mean? You know? Okay. But I definitely identify as that. And I'm very proud of that. And I think whoever, whatever you believe could be, you know, to honor that. And I think honoring other people's beliefs as well. Um, but I also think that like my love for Judaism came from things that I did, you know, going to temple was something that my dad and I did together. Um, my mom, my brother never went and I would, you know, it was at my elementary school. So like even the act of like walking with my dad to temple, you know, for instance, like that was always something very special. So it's like, right. For me today, going to services without my dad is very difficult 
(laughs) (laughs) because it was something that like I exclusively did with him. So like, even as I got older, you know, high holidays or whatever, um, when I wasn't going as consistently, I would still, you know, we'd like the candles together or, you know, Hanukkah, like I know all the prayers very well. And that was something that we did together. So I think also bringing people together and, and being able to celebrate that. I mean, we've had on tour so many like parties to celebrate different Jewish holidays, which I think is always fun, especially like in like my adult life to like host a party of like a holiday that I love. Um, (laughs) Yeah. I don't know. It's faith is like a very hard thing, and because it's it's deeply personal for everybody. Um, anti-Semitism is still a thing, and I think being proud of who you are, um, and not being afraid of the haters, you know, to sing it from the rooftops. And I think that's something that you know, sharing Fiddler around the nation has really taught me, I guess, because I am really like singing to the rooftops, but. <laughs> um, <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. What do you love most about Judaism? Ooh, whoa, whoa. That's a hard question. <laughs> um, it is. Um, I don't know. I think that I love, which actually I think can be true of any faith, but the traditions that you create for yourself. You know, what? like the... Like when I'm home... And it's Shabbat, like my dad and I will light the candles together, right? Like I'll go to his house and wherever I am, you know. Right. And I think that that's really special, the traditions that you create, whether it's just saying something to each other, whether it's, you know, um, I fly a lot. And as a kid, I was terrified of flying. I would have like full panic sex. I've gotten much better. (laughs) Especially being on tour. But I would be really, you know... And my mom was a nervous flyer, so if I was flying with her, it got much worse. If I was flying with my dad, he's very chill. Um, but I, you know, my dad would say, say tefillah haderech, which is the traveler's prayer. And I don't really, I can read Hebrew with vowels, but without vowels, I have no idea what it says. <laughs> um, and, you know, I had like, he gave me a little wallet card that had the transliteration on the back um, and the English translation. And as a kid, I would say from like the age of nine to 21, every flight I took, I said to Filat HaDerech. Um, I don't necessarily do it anymore because I'm a much more comfortable flyer. Um, <laughs> but my dad, no matter what plane I'm on, my dad always says like, oh, are you, are you about to take off? Like say to Filat HaDerech, which I think is, you know, for someone who like doesn't read Hebrew very well and doesn't necessarily like know what it means to know that like prayer to myself would protect me on my journey, um, which may seem silly to many people, but it like, you know, I think the proud, the power of prayer of speaking into action of, um, you know, believing in something is very powerful and, you know, it's like a mantra or like, um, like before Matchmaker, I'll turn to um, Noah Placeshava and I say, "We got this," you know. Right. If I'm nervous, if I'm, you know, it's like something like that where you like the power of speaking something into existence is is very like palpable and very um, 
I don't know. I think it's very special. Yeah, we all got things that we might say or look to, whether it might seem silly or not, that kind of puts a little bit of a comfort in us. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> <laughs> definitely. What's um, you've you've mentioned a few things, but are there any other ways you sort of, you know, practice your belief when you're continually touring? Um, I think that it comes out along when there's a holiday of like sharing a tradition with the company. Right. And while like I'm very, I identify as a Jew and I am proud to be Jewish. I don't necessarily think I'm like more of like a practicing Jew, you know, Um, which is like a weird statement to say. Um, No, it's understandable though. Like my faith and what I do comes out of holidays of, you know, we lit, lit the menorah every night um, for Hanukkah or like Purim is coming up and like that's really exciting or even like Passover of like sharing with someone who's not Jewish in the company, you know, why matzah exists, you know, and that's, right. you know, I think that it, it comes out of the traditions that like I've created as a kid to sharing that with other people. Yeah, how do you share with other people? And also, I think, like, the outreach is very big. You know, we I've gotten to go to a lot of Jewish community centers or talkbacks, and I think that that's also, like, a way of sharing that. And how do you share um, those holidays with the other people in the company that are not Jewish? You know, what do you guys talk about? What's sort of the kind of communication between everybody? Well, so in this current company, we have two actors from Israel. So Yehezkel, obviously, who is our Tepias from Israel, and Yochai, who is one of our male dancers um, amongst doing other things in the show. And he always posts, uh, we have like a Facebook group, and he'll post about like what the holiday is, what it means, um, and like a couple like tidbits of like either the tradition that people do. So whether it's like lighting of the menorah, um, or like for Rosh Hashanah, dipping the apples in honey and what that signifies. And we will do some sort of like tiny celebration, which I think is fun. Um, Yeah. And it's always about like, you know, telling the story or what does this mean? And, you know, I think that like, even like in rehearsing this show, I, make a lot of biblical references and like, while I knew them, I would talk to my dad about them to have them like explained in like layman terms. Um, And that was also like such a special experience of like being able to connect because often like the internet is so like dry and you're like, what does this mean? Um, So being able to talk about it and to have somebody put it into words that makes everybody understand it or makes it universal or makes it relatable is also, I think very, um, Cool. <laughs> Whether it's, you know, with your faith, with Judaism, or with just simply being a part of a a production like Fiddler on the Roof, and knowing that yourself, you're sort of like a ringleader type, um, what sort of, you know, what what's the importance of community for you? And what do you do to sort of, you know, be a very communal person and bring people together? Ooh. Um, well, I think that community is very important. Um, and even if you like to be by yourself, 
you still have your people, you know? Exactly. I'm um, that and person. I think being on tour, <laughs> we are telling a story about a small community and we in and of ourselves are a small community. Um, and I think that only lends, you know, truth to what we're doing, um, which I think is very exciting. But I also, you know, like bringing people together. I think that, you know, saying like, oh, there's this cool thing that I want to do in this city, like doesn't like let everyone let's come together and let's do it together. Or like, I think this would be a very special thing for all of us to do together, et cetera. But I think that it's also in like camaraderie, you know, of like when you see that a company member is not doing well or is upset about something or suffering a loss, I, I think that we all really do a great job of coming together and, and being there for each other um, on like a smaller scale or a larger scale. I mean, I think that that's also important, whether that's like a small act of kindness, like a card or um, getting someone their favorite treat when they, you know, that they're upset or right. for birthdays, you know, we decorate each other's stations and like do this whole thing. Cause you know, we're away from home and tour birthdays, I think are really, really important to celebrate. Um, because birthdays are hard no matter what, and especially when you're away from home. Yeah. So I always like to, you know, you decorate our makeup stations and make a big deal and, you know, what do you want to do for your birthday? You know, that whole thing, um, which I think is like a fun tour tradition. I also think that in a lot of venues, we do wall tags, which is like someone paints a fiddler on the roof and we all sign it. Um, and you can like walk through a theater and see how many people have like signed a wall tag there. Right. Um, and I think that's also a cool way of bringing people together of like, Oh, my friend was on this tour two years ago. Like there's her name or, you know, there's just so much. Yeah. Like there. you're legit a part of something <laughs> and a part of this long line of people that have come through all those theaters. Yeah. And like, it's a legit thing, you know, it's not, this is something that's real. And people respect it and there's legacy mm -hmm. and there's history. Definitely. What, you know, as we wind things down, when it comes to Fiddler on the Roof, like, and you've kind of touched upon it before, but for, you know, it's a very timely story, you know, definitely with, you know, there's still stories and big tragedies in regards to refugees coming to different countries all, all along this, all in the world, you know, even in, come to the U.S., you know, what sort of, what do you hope people get out of watching, you know, The Fiddler on the Roof, even if they've never seen it before, you know, and especially for the younger viewers coming to see it? What do, what do you hope they get out of it? I think, you know, there's like the small scale of like, you know, you watch three women stand up for themselves. You watch you know, um, family and love and people connecting with each other and a community that fights for each other um, and is present for each other, which I think is super important. Um, but I think, you know, acceptance and tolerance are also two words that come to mind of, you know, the, the um, metaphor of a fiddler on the roof of like that shaky balance between what you know and what you don't know and the constant battle that Tevye is facing is the balance of like how do I honor this tradition while the world around me is changing 
And I think that that resonates on a deep level to many people. And I think like, how do I accept what I know while also accepting the things that are changing around me? Um, accepting other people, accepting who you are, um, I think are all things that I hope people get out of this show. Um, or, you know, I feel like, you know, knowing that like this did happen to people while it is like a show that is written, it is based on, you know, things that happened before. I think the common misconception is they think Fiddler on the Roof was the Holocaust, which it's not. It's way before the Holocaust. And that, you know, things were happening way before this big event that we all learned about in school. Right. Um, and I think that that's also very, very important of like this happened in 1905 and it's still happening in 2020. And I think that that's when you like think about that too. It's like, if I can, if I can do my small part in this world of accepting of, of asking the questions that I need to ask to make myself understand why things are the way that they are so that I can support my friends, et cetera. You know, I think that's, the more that people do that, the more acceptance will be a common theme in our day-to-day lives. Definitely, definitely. Oh, Ruthie, it's been great talking with you. Uh, Fiddler on the Roof is going to be coming here in Detroit on March 10th through the 15th at the Fisher Theater. I'll definitely be there the uh, opening night to check y'all out. I'm excited to see it. Where can people go online to get more information about what you're doing? Um, just go ahead and plug anything. Yeah, well, if you want more about me, you can go to my website, which is ruthiefroch.com. So that's R-U-T-H-Y-F-S-N-Frank-R-O-C-H.com. But I think the best way to keep up with me is through Instagram, and my handle is at it's ruthiefroch. So um, it's, and then my name. (laughs) (laughs) And um, also on Twitter. But I would say Instagram is probably the best way to really keep up with me. Hey, yo, thank you for listening to this episode of Fresh is the Word, hosted and produced by myself, Kelly K. Fresh Frazier, empowered by Anchor at anchor.fm slash fresh is the word. Intro theme music by Foulmouth, Shimmy Bango, and Knox Money. Fresh is the Word is available on all major streaming platforms. Please rate and review on Apple Podcasts and Stitcher. If you want to support Fresh is the Word, please consider pledging via Patreon at patreon.com slash fresh is the word. Follow Fresh of the Word on social media on Twitter at Fresh of the Pod, on Instagram at Fresh of the Word Podcast, and join the Facebook group at Facebook.com slash groups slash Fresh the Word. For more information about Fresh of the Word and our other podcasts, Breaking Records and Renaissance Soul, and a collection of pop culture articles and reviews, please visit FreshOfThePodcast.com. Thank you for listening and your support. Goodbye and good night. Fresh, 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 fresh is the word.